Welcome to another Hell Is This podcast with me, Jerome Whittingham. This month is Dyslexia Awareness Month, and you may have noticed that we've partnered with our good friends at Creative Briefs, a community interest company in Hull that inspires young designers. With them, we're looking at different aspects of dyslexia um, over the coming weeks. We're looking at how dyslexia might impact upon people's emotions, uh, their employment, their education, and even their entrepreneurship. The first item we put out was that little video with Josh that we called Dyslexia Day to Day, uh, a 17-year-old sharing his experiences of what it's like living with dyslexia. Creative Briefs have joined us in this podcast. Uh, we have Creative Briefs Director, Jason Bowers. Say hello, Jason. Hello. <laughs> and we also have a project manager, um, Yasmin Holmes. Hello, Yasmin. Hello. Hello there. Um, so, um, Jason, tell me what response you've had so far to uh, Josh's video. It's been very encouraging because it gives one young person's viewpoint of dyslexia and um, opens up uh, areas there for debate on how he sees the world and some of the obstacles that he faces. But on the whole, it's been very good and there's been quite a bit of feedback from different organisations on the short video that he did. Something that really struck me chatting to Josh on that day that I spent with him is how he says that um, a gift of, dys of dyslexia is creativity. Yasmin, um, well, Creative Briefs, both of you, suggested I might like to speak to a designer called Jim Rokos. He curated an exhibition, the Dyslexic Design Exhibition. Um, Yasmin, can you tell me how you came across Jim and what sort of dialogue you've had with Jim? Yeah, so Jason mentioned the Dyslexic Design Exhibition, which was on a fair few years ago now. And we'd actually showed some of the pictures of the products that had been created, like the Gorilla Backpack and the vase, to some of the kids before when we were talking about kind of dyslexic strengths and what dyslexic people can create and how they can be creative. And we thought it would actually be fantastic to get in touch with them and see if he could set a design brief to our young designers. Um, so he set a problem-solving brief. It really took off. We worked on a four-week project. Uh, we've pitched some of the ideas back to him, and he's really got on board with it. So I, um, I managed to catch up with Jim earlier this week, found him an absolutely fascinating fella, uh, really passionate about showing dyslexia in a really positive light. Got the pre-recorded interview with Jim here, and I began by asking Jim himself how the dyslexic design exhibition came about. I think it was Christmas 2015. I was just driving back from Yorkshire after visiting my cousins. And uh, it had been a four-hour drive, and I'd had enough of listening to music, and I was flicking through the stations, and I came across a, a talk station, LBC Radio, and it was a phone-in about dyslexia. So I was quite excited. Oh, this is good. Uh, you know, that's uh, I, I'm dyslexic. This is very interesting. And um, But people were being quite negative about dyslexia. The host as well, I, I thought, was quite negative. And um, I was just waiting for someone to call in and say something positive about it. But it was all 
I'm dyslexic and my life's not good and uh, I hope my kids aren't dyslexic. And I'm, I'm thinking, well, you know, I'm an industrial designer and I can do my work. You know, my belief is I can do my work really well because of my dyslexia. But nobody did phone in and say anything good about it. And I was kind of a bit, I was a bit tired from the drive and I was a bit cross and upset about what I was hearing. So I didn't phone in myself. But later on, I thought, you know, what can I do to balance this a bit? The, the photographs are quite incredible. It's really sort of variation of, um, you know, designs within there. It's, it's, it's patterns, it's sculptures, it, it's the whole, the whole gamut. Yes. So it's got this, um, it's called a dazzle pattern. So it's um, black and white stripes around the walls. They're all ziggity zaggedy with each other. For me, that really plays with the, the perspective. It's yeah. a, a fairly square rectangular building unit that you're in but you you can't actually see the walls is that something of dyslexia in its own right that playing with the perspective of, of what, what's in front of i think so i think i think it worked from several angles um we um we had a logo for the exhibition which was done by a graphic designer called daniel Britton, and he very kindly let let us use his font he designed and Abe said the dazzle pattern was inspired by the, by the font, which was very sort of disorientating and it slowed your reading down. Everyone thought it was aimed at dyslexics, the exhibition, but, but for me it was more really to show people that weren't dyslexic the benefits. So it was really to help them have the, a bit of the confusion that sometimes in some ways comes with dyslexia in this space. And we did get one complaint from a mother of two dyslexic children saying that it was really uh we'd we'd made their dyslexia worse in this space but but that was just one out of thousands so i think it generally went well tell me how you went about identifying dyslexic designers was that was it easy to find them are designers sort of proud of their dyslexia and sort of flagging up that they have dyslexia um, was it easy to find the the participants for the exhibition? Oh, that's a great question. Um, yeah, that was a bit of a job in itself. Um, I, I did pride myself in my skill in being able to sort of diagnose dyslexia by a person's work. And it was generally fine. It, it wasn't at all awkward if they were dyslexic. You know, if they were dyslexic, you know, I'd write to them this sort of slightly, I don't know, awkward email, uh, really like your work. It, it seems a little bit unusual. Um, are you dyslexic? And it, it was, you know, if they're dyslexic, they were quite happy about that. It was the ones that weren't dyslexic. I sort of had to backtrack a little bit and try and explain myself a bit more. I see. I suppose once, once someone's in the design industry, the arts industry, they're, they're obviously happy with their talents and comfortable with what, with what they're able to do. So maybe they are more open about their dyslexia. Uh, because they're in a much more comfortable position by then, do you think? I think so. And I think by the nature of design work, I think it does have a higher proportion of dyslexics as compared with the rest of the population. Why do you think that is then? What, what is it about the dyslexic mind that um, creates benefits for a creative person and a designer? What are the benefits of dyslexia? I think naturally dyslexics are good tend to be good at creative thinking and lateral thinking and 
visual thinking and three-dimensional thinking, all of which are very useful for people working within the arts, in particular, you know, visual artists and designers. Is it easier for a dyslexic creative person to be dealing with spatial subjects and 3D design, or are those benefits also applicable to 2D design? Yeah, I would say both. I believe that dyslexics have stronger three-dimensional thinking. Um, I think it comes more naturally to them. I think, uh, yeah, and then for 2D work, I think they're just very good at thinking visually and creatively as well. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes I'll come across, it's sort of, it's quite, as a dyslexic, it's quite difficult to imagine how somebody doesn't think visually or doesn't think in a three-dimensional way. Talking about your own practice, um, mm. you're um, you know, very well known now for your home decor, your homeware sort of design. Well, the videos I think I've watched online, you say something you know, quite remarkable. You say everything you do, you want it to be stunning and you're actually quite obsessive about the detail of your design process. Is that coming from your dyslexia or is that just an innate passion that you have anyway? It's, it's impossible to say because I've only lived the one version of my life, so I can't compare it with a life I've lived where I'm not dyslexic. So I don't know, but I suppose that I suppose that having struggled so much at school, I'm really wanting to have a a great success to compensate for all that. I've found this in my design work. You know, I think this is something I can do really well. So I do just try really hard at it. And yeah, I do want everything to be the best it can possibly be. You mentioned earlier when you were putting your list of uh, participants together for the Dyslexic Design Exhibition that you were Mm -hmm. actually, in in some um, cases, you were actually able to almost identify that the designer was dyslexic. What what actually were you looking for? What stood out to you that that made you think that? How did I diagnose dyslexia i'd i'd um i'd look for slightly unpredictable work so if things were done in a in a sort of original inventive way i would sort of flag them up as a contender i was calling them you see for, for a dyslexic it's actually easier to think of something new than to try and replicate something that already exists so there would tend to be an originality in the work. Yeah, unpredictable work. And that's not to say people that aren't dyslexic won't come up with these, because yeah, plenty of times I would ask people about their work and you know, I'd think they've got to be dyslexic. This is really unexpected work they're doing. And and they would say they're not. So it is out there. I would just say dyslexics have more of a tendency to produce work that's uh, less predictable. So what sort of response, public response, did you have to the exhibition? What was the sort of general overall response to the exhibition? It was really positive. We, we left a little notebook for people to write in, and, and people were just so, so happy about it. It was, a, it was really, um, I don't know, people would come and everyone, it was just very joyful. People really enjoyed looking around our micro exhibition. They found it uplifting. They just found it very positive. 
Yeah, where, where do you think we are now then with that understanding and acceptance of dyslexia? Is it is it generally more positively thought it of? It is, yeah. We've moved forward a long way. I think the exhibition, I can't remember if it was 2015 or 2016, and definitely we have moved forward a lot since then. There's still, there's still a long way to go in that it might come out that I'm dyslexic and somebody will say, oh, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have realized, you know, it wouldn't show, you know, don't worry, I wouldn't have spotted it. You know, I'm thinking, well, no, no, it's, I'm quite happy about it. It's a good thing. So, you know, people still sort of feel a little bit awkward to discover it sometimes and sort of feel they need to make a, an excuse for you or sort of tell you it's okay, which, you know, it shouldn't be. They, sh- they should just, I don't know, they should be feeling a bit jealous, really, that, you know, a, a dyslexic can think in these different ways, whereas um, most, most of the population doesn't think in this, this way. So that was me chatting with Jim Rokas earlier this week, and I found it really quite refreshing that someone can make such a clear case and be so comfortable knowing that dyslexia and creativity work hand in hand. So uh, Yasmin and Jason, what, what stood out for you in, in that 10-minute um, interview? What really resonated for you? Everything that he was saying is things that I've heard in one way or another from either Jason or the kids or the parents speaking through the eyes of their kids about the way that they think visually and the way that they come up with these brand new ideas. And the kids, when we work with them, they always want to create new things, like Jim said. They they don't want to reinvent something. They want to come up with this new original idea. And just, yeah, all of that was just exactly what we've heard so many times. Jason, what put out for you? Um, the fact when he says he finds it hard to um, understand people that can't think visually, that is, that is one thing that stood out. Uh, all of it stands out, to be quite honest. Um, I think it's great the way that you can quite succinctly put all them different points across um, in a structured format, but I think that must be down to some of the questioning as well. However, there's... The other thing that really stood out is when you ask him about his obsession with trying to get everything to be perfect or the best he possibly can. And that the way that balances out his school experience, I can I can totally relate to that. Finding something where you can put all your energy into it, um, you enjoy it, you find it not necessarily easy, but it's it's like a relief and a release to find something you can put all your passion into compared to some of the topics and, and things at school that you struggle with. Also, the fact of people trying to, or people saying to him, that, uh, don't worry about it, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think you were dyslexic. That is a massive point because there comes a point when uh, you find out, or if you are dyslexic, you find out you're dyslexic, and it's like a weight off your shoulders. And from that point on, you can move forward and you can throw yourself wholeheartedly into what it is that you're doing. So people worrying that uh, because you're dyslexic, you can't do things, or um, you get past that stage where it is it, it's something to something to, that you can't buy. You can't buy dyslexia, and you can't learn it. It's just something that once you accept it, you can you can wholeheartedly get on with your life and incorporate it into usually something that is creative. 
That's exactly what Josh was telling me last week, isn't it? That um, dyslexia is a real gift, the gift of creativity. And I think that interview with Jim Rokos has, has made that abundantly clear. So thank you both for that introduction to Jim. I really enjoyed chatting to him. The bit that stood out for me was when he said, uh, for a dyslexic, it's actually easier to think of something new than to try and reinvent or, you know, reinterpret something else. So, you know, dyslexics, Jim, I, I would encourage anyone actually to go to, to Jim's website and uh, there's lots of great videos on there. Um, I, I, I spoke to Jim for maybe 25 minutes and we got talking about his wine decanter and how a simple decanter has three different bases and that's changing the base of this rather egg-like decanter changes the amount of exposure that the wine has to oxygen in the air, which changes the taste. I was just sort of bowled over by the way he's he's using his creative spatial thinking to to look in in ways that other people just wouldn't even begin begin to look. So yeah, a really fab conversation I had with him. Thank you for that introduction. So uh, you've been listening to a Hull Is This podcast with me, Jerome Whittingham. Uh, we'll put lots in the show notes for this. So if you want to look up Jim's work, uh, we'll put the website there. And do make sure you're also following Creative Briefs. You'll find them on all the typical social media platforms too. We'll be having more conversations with Creative Briefs in the next couple of weeks as we continue to look at the impact and experience of dyslexia for people. That's all for now. See you soon.